Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. That you're listening to. Right now. A poorly timed sip. That's okay. Well, we're back. It's officially fall. It is very much fall. Yeah, it like I went out of town this past weekend. Like I left on Wednesday, and then Thursday was the equinox, and I came mm-hmm. back and it was very much fall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it Which I'm very happy about. Like 25 degrees. Yeah. I wouldn't have minded an easier transition. I'm still in the let's not turn the heat on in the house. Oh, I haven't turned the heat on yet either. I just like, I'm real happy about it being cooler and I'm not sweating when I walk outside. You know, I'm just happy about this cooler weather. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm into it. I'm excited for the fall colors and the whatnot. So yeah, I've already started cooking everything with some sort of pumpkin element. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I made a weird dish yesterday, Uh but... It was kind of like what I, I, things I needed to cook. Yeah. So I looked in the fridge and I had some oyster mushrooms. And I was like, oh, I really need to cook those. But I was making eggs. Uh huh. So I ended up putting some like pumpkin butter type stuff with them because that's always good with mushrooms. Okay. And cooking them. But then I put too much and they were like, I don't know, it just wasn't right. Yeah. So I pureed it together. Okay. And I added a little oat milk and I ended up making the weirdest eggs benedict okay but it was really good i put some sage in there a little taste of fall yeah that sounds good yeah i was surprised it was one of those it's either gonna be really bad or really good things yeah i either ruined this dish or added something sounds like you saved it i did i was so excited yeah wasn't the prettiest color i will say that but (laughs) i can imagine based off of the description of what went into it yeah but, you know, still a fan. Yeah. But, yeah. And then I've been getting into spooky watches. Okay. I watched the first three I thought you meant like wrist watches. And I'm no. like, I lo- I'm very interested <laughs> to see where this is going. No, I've just got the one uh, Apple Watch. But, okay. <laughs> you know, it gets spooky sometimes. Yeah. When Siri starts talking to you randomly, you're like, what? Yeah. Who's in there? Oh, yeah. But, no, I meant movies. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. I watched all the, the first three Ghostbusters. Okay. And I'm going to stand up. How many for Ghostbusters are there? Four. One came out like a year ago. Is that a sequel to the... They're all in the same universe. Okay. So were there two in the original and two in the reboot then? Two in the original. Then there was the lady reboot. Uh-huh. And then now there's the child children reboot. Oh. Actually, though, I've heard it's really good. I watched a trailer. Paul Rudd's in it. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, that does it for me, but well, that's okay. Uh, just because, like, I don't, like, it's kids, so it's going to be family friendly. And then Paul Rudd. I'm, it's not. It's pretty scary, I think, actually. Okay. From the trailer I saw, it's got some spooks. Okay. And, like, obviously the graphics are much different now than they were in the 80s. So. Yeah. But it was really fun to watch the first two. And actually, I like the lady one. I am officially seeing it. the one this. I've seen. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, this is the second time I've seen it. I don't know why I didn't remember my feelings on it. but <laughs> Because it got a lot of, you know, flack for some reason. Yeah. I thought it was really good, though. I thought that they made each person in their role. That role was great for them. Yeah. And I think they it was such a phenomenal cast. It just, I think we're people got kind of eh about it is if they were hardcore fans of the first ones. Yeah. It's different actors. So it's a different vibe. Yeah. It's totally, but it fits them, which the first one fit them mm. since two of the writers were in it. Like yeah. <laughs> they wrote it for them and their friends. Yeah. This one I thought was really good. So I'm actually have special plans to watch the child one. Okay. The the Lady Reboot's the only one I've seen. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the originals. And I thought the Lady Reboot was fine. Like, I didn't have anything to compare it to. So I was like, that was a that was a movie. I enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. It like really no strong feelings either way because it's been the minutes I've seen it. So it's yeah. kind of like, I remember liking it, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Well, I recommend it. I think it's good. Okay. It's a little silly and goofy, but like still good. I think the, the newer one, the Afterlife, it's called Afterlife. Okay. Uh, I have heard of this then. Yes. So I think it takes place in a totally different place. There is relation to the original uh-huh. ones. 
I know there's a familial relation of some sort between one of the people. I don't want to say too much. I know more than I should at this point. (laughs) Fair. But I'm excited. That's all I can say. All right. Yeah. The only movies I watched on this weekend was on a plane and I picked some weird ones. You have to on a plane. Yeah. that Literally, that's what motivated my second choice for sure. So the first, so on the flight down, I watched What a Girl Wants, which was good. Oh yeah, you told me. Yeah. That <laughs> one, I that one I was like, okay, this one I enjoyed. Solid choice. Yeah. On the way back though, I picked Lucky Numbers. I don't know that one. For good reason. It came out in 2000. It starred John Travolta and Lisa Kudrow as... Mm. John Travolta played a weatherman and Lisa Kudrow played the lotto girl for a local like Pennsylvania news station. And John Travolta's character was like hard up on money. And so they came up with a plan to rig the lottery to like get the money. Okay. And then I won't say hilarious hijinks ensue, but hijinks ensue. Mm. (laughs) I doesn't sound like you recommend it. No, literally <laughs> like my letterboxed review started with boy, they don't make stinkers like this anymore. That's okay. That yeah. says it all. Yeah. Like Lisa Kudrow is funny because Lisa Kudrow is always funny. Yeah. But it was just kind of like a womp womp of a movie. Mm. Like there was potential, but it just it womp womped way too hard. Probably like one of those. Everything was rushed because yeah. they got the big actors. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. So I just like looked it up because I like when I was watching the credits, I remembered that Nora Ephron directed it. And I was like, I wonder oh. if this is her first time directing. And it wasn't. But okay. like literally looking at IMDb, mm-hmm. it got a five out of 10 dead in the middle. That's the worst place to be because <laughs> that means it wasn't bad enough to be like bad good. And it wasn't good enough to be good good. So it was just kind of like ugh, in the middle. <laughs> 31 on Metacritic though. That's out of what? Low. Oh, okay. Like out of 100. 31 out of 100. Oh, okay. That, that's yeah. what I would have assumed. Yeah. Okay. That uh, sounds like a stinker. I knew it wasn't going to be great yeah. going into it, but like. You never know. It was at the point where I was tapping the screen to see how much longer was left. Because I was like. Can you not stop watching a movie? Do you have to finish it? <sighs> I got very close to stopping it. I usually don't stop movies okay. unless like I'm falling asleep. Yeah. Or like, and even then, like I'll go and usually back and finish it. Bigger question. Yeah. Have you ever walked out of a movie? Ooh. I don't think I have. I have twice. I think like, I remember, I don't know if I walked out with her, but I remember my sister walked out of the nativity because she was too afraid, (laughs) which was weird because it was like a story she'd obviously heard before. I walked out of Avatar, but I can't say I fully walked out because then I walked back in because it was like. My family and another family. Well, you had 12 hours to, you know, (laughs) come and go as you please. I did hide in the bathroom for a long time, though. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's before cell phones, too. I didn't have anything to do. Uh, So I did go back in. Avatar was before cell phones. As before. I probably. Well, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It was like 2000. I guess like before. I guess. Okay. Before before like. Like 2009. So, yeah, you're probably just like. That was like when smartphones were really oh, starting to really like come into I was going to say, I had a cell phone, but it wasn't a smartphone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So you could text your friends from the toilet, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I made my friend go with me. Yeah. Because um, we both wanted to leave. Did but our want- families were there, so we went back. But that and years before that, there was a movie. I forget. It was, it was like the 90s or early aughts or something called The New Guy. Uh-huh. And I walked out of that because it was real bad. A stinker. Yeah. Stinker for I sure. couldn't do it. And I usually don't give up. I'm usually a see it through to the end. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty surprised. I think it's because I was like, at this point in the flight, I don't have time to start another movie. Yeah. I get that. So I may as well just power through this one and like, maybe it'll get better. And yeah. it never did. Yeah. No, it, movie flights are there to try because you would have never... Right. Tried. And you know what? I appreciate Delta for still having the infotainment systems. Yeah. Like some American didn't have them. They have like a little slot to hold your cell phone and you bring your own movies. Mm-mm, and I don't, I don't always like think that. about that. I don't either. I don't yeah. plan like that. Right. I'm not that put together. It uh, just makes it so much easier when there's a screen on the back. Cause then like the safety demonstration, you don't have to like. Oh yeah. And there's games. Yeah. The find it games. Yeah. I like you, finding stuff. 
I I would play those two or like play like the poker or the trivia with the people on the flight. Yes, that's fun too. Except for now. I feel like when it was new, people actually did it. But now you're lucky if there's one other person playing on a flight of like 400 people. You're not wrong. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm that nerd. I yep. do like to do this. Same. Please, somebody else join me. <laughs> My Google Hub, the Google Nest Hub, whatever they call it these days, the Google thing with the screen, mm-hmm. it like started advertising like, hey, do you want to play music quiz? Ooh. And I didn't know you played with an opponent, but I played with a woman named Jessica from Florida <gasps> when I was washing dishes earlier. Hey, that's my name. Yeah. I did win. That's exciting. Yes. I love that. But I do love a music quiz. I remember like um, Apple used to have it on like the early iPods. I kind of remember like, that. Yeah. Play clips from like the songs you had on there. Uh-huh. And you had to guess which one it was like as quick as you could. Yeah. Like out of a like list or something. Yeah. Yes. The way this works is it plays seven seconds of a song and you have to either get the name or the artist and you get bonus points if you get both. Oh, that's like on the Alexa. Yeah. She has that game too. It must be like something they started adding to all the smart things, Mm -hmm. which is kind of fun. I do like things, especially like when I'm just like doing dishes or something. Mm -hmm. We've played here, like just against Alexa or whatever. Uh Or I think you can even play in teams if you set it up or something like that. And that's Uh fun. I don't think you had Alexa. Uh, Lisa does. Okay. Yeah. But sometimes Alexa's real creepy, so sometimes she's not on. That's yeah. why she's not saying anything right now. I believe she's not on. Fair. I I couldn't buy an Alexa because it's too close to my name. That's fair. Yeah. And at this point, I've just bought into the Google, yeah. the Google, Google ecosystem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Google first just makes me think of the metaverse and I'm way over that. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all creepy. I keep all reading of it. articles about the metaverse and I'm like... Who asked for this? Who Nobody. Who is asking for this? Nobody. Nobody. No. But you know what? If anything, maybe it'll just take Facebook down with it. And we'll, you know. Yeah. That'd be nice. I would enjoy that. I'd be fine with it. Yeah. And even Instagram. She can go too. No. Nope. I don't need her. I want that one. <laughs> you can have it. I want it. I just want Letterbox. That's all I need. <laughs> just no. to talk movies with people. I want my Instagram. I want my TikTok. Fair. I don't have either of those. Well, I did. I did delete TikTok. Okay. I deleted it completely. But yeah, I haven't had Facebook on my phone since 2015. I haven't had Facebook on my phone a long time. Yeah. I'll just if I need it on my phone, the web browser is fine. Yep. And I honestly, I go to look and see how many notifications I have. I look at the notifications and then I immediately exit. Absolutely same. <laughs> I see that someone tagged me as something from two months ago and I'm like, oh, well, uh-huh. it's bad. So but... it, people out there who are Facebook friends with me or me don't post anything on my wall. Don't tag me in anything because I will not see it. Just message me. And just... I do check my Facebook messages, but I do not check Facebook. See, I'm not so great at those either, but it stinks because there are a few like groups I'm involved in. Yeah, <laughs> that's their primary. Uh... We have communicating and I need to get better, but also Mercury is in retrograde. So what is communication anyway? True. <laughs> oh, speaking of space stuff, though. So this comes out Thursday, but this past Monday, um, Jupiter was the closest it will be in our lifetimes. Yes. I was like bummed it happened. It was cloudy. When I was in North Carolina, we were on top of Little Scaly Mountain. Okay. And there's a tower that you can climb up to at night and mm-hmm. you can actually see like the Milky Way because it's <gasps> that clear and high up. Ugh, and so I would have loved dream. to have seen Jupiter when I was up there because like, I know I feel like I say this every time I go somewhere that's not the city, mm-hmm. but I legitimately think I've never seen this many stars because again, you could like kind of see the Milky Way, like the kind mm-hmm. of like clusteriness of it. Oh, that's how I felt up north this past summer uh-huh. uh, or actually the summer before the Grand Canyon. Yeah. That was... Honestly, one of the most phenomenal skies I've ever seen in my life. There was one time too in Australia. I went to a, a star park, which was also really rad because it was like three hours away from like light pollution of any sort. Yeah. So it was real dark. But that was the southern hemisphere, so very different sky. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I there's I love looking up at a really full sky. Oh yeah. It's amazing how many things you can see. Oh, because yeah, sure. here I can see like three things in the sky. I could see Jupiter, except for last night with the clouds, but like, you know, you can see it. Yeah. That's usually one of the things that appears. And then there's like two other stars or something. Yeah. 
No, I remember like a couple of weeks ago, they were like Saturn and Jupiter were flanking the sun and I could see them mm-hmm. kind of, I'd like just guessed they're the two big, bigger stars. Probably. Yeah. And that's you got to download this moon. app. I should. It's really, I always think about it, but then yeah. like, by the time I think to download it, I'm in nature where I don't get cell reception. Although I didn't know until this week, it plays background music. <laughs> oh, interesting. Usually like my sound is down or yeah. you know, clicked off or whatever. And I was like looking for Jupiter, or double checking that it was Jupiter basically the night before. Yeah. And then it's just this very like, oh, like, and I was like, what is that? And then I realized it was the app. I was like, oh, that's so cute. YouTube did that to me recently where like I clicked on a YouTube video and I, I closed out of the YouTube app. And then I'm like in like the, I mean, in like a news app. I'm like, where the fuck is this sound coming from? This is just an article. Why? Like it turns out that YouTube was still playing in the background mm-hmm. somehow. And it was weird because like it was a very clickbaity article where like this actor who was um he was in Supernatural, but also like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. He was like in his early 20s, killed his mom mm. and was about to go on a like shooting spree and then didn't. Oh, wow. Um, in Canada. And he was like, also like, I'm going to take out the prime minister, too. And then it sounds vaguely familiar, actually. But that is terrifying. Right. And just like. His logic for killing his mom was like, I don't want to have to, her to deal with the fallout of me killing all these people. Oh, my gosh. Right? Oh. Like, clearly, there were some other mental health things going on there. Yeah. But like, damn. That's so sad. Yeah. Oh. I. I do. That's so sad. But kind of a bummer. <laughs> Feel free to cut that. No, 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 no. It's fine. I just. Going back to the YouTube, like, playing or whatever. <laughs> I that happens to me sometimes too when I'm scrolling through articles and you don't know a video's playing still or whatever from yeah. an ad. And it's always something like vaginal mesh or like some like ridiculous. Cause I don't yeah. know if you remember when that was like the hot item for a while. Was, vaginal mesh? Well, there was a um like to repair the vagina or like it there was a lawsuit and they were trying oh, to yeah, get yeah, people yeah. for it, but it was just like that was like the the commercial inserted like everywhere for two seconds you know yeah. paid for inserted everywhere kind of thing but it's always something like that yeah and it's always like it's say 85 percent of the time a really embarrassing scenario like you're at work or something yeah you're like reading something you know taking a little break for a second and then that comes out and you're like no right this is not what i'm doing it's not what i asked for <laughs> well would you be interested in hearing a little old story? I sure would. Good, because um, I've got a collage today. Mm. And what I mean is some of these have kind of been on my radar for a second. Okay. And I start, I'll tell you what I started with at the end. But it led me back to some things that I've like come across here and there. There's going to be a lot of callbacks. Okay. So I'm not going to tell you what it's about mm-hmm. because it's about a lot of things. Okay. A few side journeys. But we're just going to dive right in here. We are going to start with a group of Scottish men. All right. In the city. I'm already here for it. Yeah. Got a quote, actually. For the relief of the indigent and unfortunate of our countrymen, and for the promotion of the harmony and good feeling amongst ourselves, we, the undersigned Scotchmen and descendants of Scotchmen, with benevolence for our motto, do unite ourselves into a society and agree to abide by the following constitution of the St. Andrews Society of Detroit. Okay. This was said by Hugh Moffat, who would later become president of something called the St. Andrews Society. I didn't know. Is it Scotchman? Or I thought it was, I thought it was Scotsman. Like I'm sure the quote says Scotchman, but like I always thought. It like, says Scotchman in the co- quote for sure, because I'm not going to lie. I copied and pasted that. No, for sure. So I think Scott, I mean, maybe both are accepted. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That just caught me off guard for a minute there. I mean, it's butterscotch, not butterscots. No. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> so the it's same. Scotch tape, not Scott's tape. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't belong to he Scott. He doesn't own that. No. no. So the St. Andrews Society of Detroit was founded on November 30th, 1849 by 35 men called to a meeting by a man named William Barclay. At this meeting, they created a constitution and bylaws and held, and they decided to hold a second meeting in December of that year where 18 members signed the documents into constitution and the group was official. 
there was already similar groups founded in cities like Philadelphia, Boston, New York. But in the 1800s, there was a lot of oppression that Scottish immigrants faced. And there was a lot of religious intolerance on top of that. And many Scots actually immigrated to the Midwest instead of the Mid-Atlantic when they were coming over because of these things. Mm. And Detroit was appealing with its industrial roots, as we know. Yeah. uh, And fast growth. The group started originally meeting at the Merchants Exchange Hotel on the west side of Griswold between Woodbridge and Atwater Street. At this time, the city had fewer than 15,000 residents. And Hugh Moffat, the one who said the quote, was one of the original founding members and was a business and civic leader elected Detroit mayor from 1872 to 85. So just quick side note about them. These were mostly wealthy Scottish immigrants, Mm -hmm. um, businessmen. As their membership grows, they have people of all trades, basically. Uh, And a lot of politicians and things like that. That That's why I left this in here. Mm -hmm. Who is St. Andrew? Some people might know. I don't really know my saints because I did not... Uh, go to school for that. <laughs> yeah, I knew a few at some point, but I was gonna say you might, because uh, I know I they pushed all that out. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But Saint Andrew is Scotland's patron saint. Okay. There is actually a Saint Andrew Day, November thirtieth of every year. Okay. And Saint Andrew the Apostle, or simply Saint Andrew, was Jesus Christ's first disciple. Okay. He brought the first foreigners to meet Jesus and shamed a large crowd of people into sharing their food with the people beside them. Okay. He preached the teachings of Jesus around the globe before being crucified in Greece on the 30th of November in 60 AD, according to the New Testament. Rough. Yeah. The social guy, the giver, the empath, it seems like. Yeah. Back to the group, though. They kept growing. Mm -hmm. And in late 1883, they moved to a Masonic Hall located on Jefferson Shelby, so not the Masonic Temple. Mm Mm-hmm. Through the early 1890s, they would move locations a lot. Mm -hmm. So first they moved to the Merrill Block, which was located from Jefferson to Larned. And to the present site of the city county building, Callback. And in 1895-96-ish, they moved to 12 Woodward, which is no longer there. In 1900, they met at 44 Grand River in a place known as Park Place. They then tried 95 Fort Street, again still moving. But due to growing numbers, they needed to find something much more permanent. Mm -hmm. And this is also the kind of thing, once a member, always a member. Yeah. You know, even uh, when you pass, you're still a member. So going into the 20th century, we've got a lot of industrial changes, as we know. Mm -hmm. And the city's starting to open up, as mentioned. I wrote vroom, vroom, just in case we'd forget why. (laughs) Yes, of course, because of the V8 industry. Yes, exactly. All them vegetable juices. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, so obviously cars are a big deal and side note, this is just an interesting fact. There was actually a Scotsman named Alexander Winton who had the first long distance automobile trip on record in 1897 when he drove from Cleveland to New York in how many days do you think? Three. Ten. Oh my God. Record setting 10 days. Oh my God. I would have, mm-hmm. oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just for reference to Henry Ford actually built his first car in June of 1896. Mm-hmm. So even though most of it took off in the early 1900s, it was really the late 1800s when it was all yeah. happening. So didn't he start like, I think Ford started one company and it flopped and then he started Ford Motors. I believe so. That sounds familiar. It was Henry Ford's flop era. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because he didn't start Ford Motors until 1901. Okay. January 16th of 1900 would mark the first initiation of the 20th century for member 610. So they're up to 610 members starting okay. with the, I believe it was 25. And with the advent of the production line, many moved to the area, as we know, including those of Scottish descent. So in 1900, the first non-Detroit address was actually initiated, which was kind of a big deal because up until then it was hard for people to get to meetings. Yeah. Now you have you know, a lot more ways for people to get around. And as we go into the 20th century, there's more and more, you yeah. know, there's uh, the trolley car was around for a while here and obviously train and, you know, things like that. Yeah. 1903 would mark the largest number of initiations. So again, growing at a big rate by January of 1905, the number would reach 1000. Okay. So finally they decided they needed their own actual site, like rather than kind of going into these pre-existing places, And on August 3rd, 1907, the cornerstone was laid 
for St. Andrew's Hall, located at 431 East Congress. I heard of her. You have heard of her. Uh, the cost of the land and to build it was under $50,000 at the time. Explains where the balcony is always falling. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll get to that. So when it opened, it was gorgeous. The main floor held a huge ballroom and a stage and smaller meeting rooms. The basement had a large informal entertaining area and also several offshoot rooms. Uh, the second floor housed the Burns Room, which was named after a Scottish poet, to be used for society meetings and to be rented out. Uh, huge dinners such as the Burns Dinner or St. Andrew's Day, as mentioned before, dinners were held in the main ballroom and all the spaces were actually occasionally rented out. Mm. The first meeting in this location was held January 18th, 1908 for the 1,411 men that were members. Mm. A little trend with some of the members I've mentioned, they are all men. As was custom of many societies at this point. Yeah. But in 1910, the Ladies Auxiliary was founded as a social group for the ladies. While they weren't given membership, the group was created to help the society itself. They held separate fundraising events, helped with games, uh, and helped manage the hall. Okay. Can't be members, but you can sure help out. Yeah. And as mentioned in, in the previous quote, like their main thing was really trying to help others of Scottish descent. Specifically in the beginning, I think it kind of maneuvered past that. Mm -hmm. We'll get some more, you know, current things now. But it was kind of like a fundraising effort, getting people, you know, the things they need, like food and all yeah. that kind of stuff. As well as helping keep the history of the, the Scottish history alive. Yeah. So now we'll fast forward a few decades because things were just kind of maintaining themselves. And we're going to go into 1934. A membership was at 2034. After this, though, membership decreased steadily. Mm -hmm. So they weren't getting as many people. By the late 1980s, it really tanked. Okay. Makes sense. You know, people don't join societies like they used to. Yeah, that makes <laughs> I sense. Guess. Yeah. And in April of 1985, the total number was at 2,934. So it was actually only about 1,000 people in over 50 years. And if you remember in the beginning, they got 1,000 people in like Couple a handful of years. Of years. Yeah. yeah. In the late 1970s, they started to do the Highland Games. Okay. And the first year they were actually held at Bois Blanc. Her to her. Otherwise known as. Pablo? Pablo. Yeah. yeah. So call back. Yeah. At one point, they were actually moved to Fort Wayne. Heard of her too. Call back. Yeah. And then they were moved back to Wablong. Okay. They bopped around. <laughs> yeah. But in 1992, because they had been growing, they got some pretty, you know, good ticket sales and things like that. And also the boats cost a decent, you know, amount of money. And yeah. at one point it made sense. It just didn't anymore. They moved to the Edsel and Eleanor Ford House in Gross Point Shores. Okay. And the first year there, they set an attendance record of 7,800 adults, which was broken for the next five years and eventually exceeded 12,000, thus outgrowing this location as well. Mm -hmm. And this led to a new venue. And in 1997, they started to hold it at Green Mead, which is a historical village in Livonia, where they actually still do it today. They're the oldest continually presented Highland Games in the Western Hemisphere. Mm -hmm. And the games are held the first Saturday in August, if anybody's ever interested, with opening events the night before. Today, they attract almost 20 pipe bands, 200 individual pipers and drummers, 200 competing Highland dancers, athletes competing in the heavy events, 40 different clans, 30 vendors, food, drink, and exhibits such as weavers, sheep herding, Highland cattle, reenactments, and more. Okay. As mentioned, it was up. Only men for a while. 1985, June 3rd, to be specific, they changed their tune. They initiated their first woman, Florence Margaret Mitchy Stahl. And right. yeah, member number 2,938. Uh, it should also be noted, though, that going into the 21st century, so around the same time, a lot of St. Andrew's societies in the nation were not accepting women. So okay. they were late, but not as late as others. Yeah. And in September of 1996, Florence, so same person, actually became the first female president of the society. Good for her. Mm -hmm. Let her go. And nice. through May 4th of 1998, an additional 218 women were initiated. Nice. So con currently they're about 36% female. All right. And 
just a little bit more about them before we move on. Mm -hmm. They claim to be the oldest benevolent organization in Michigan. Most of what they kind of focus on is raising funds originally for buying food, clothing, household goods, and coal for less affluent members, widows, and other Scottish families in need. As they grew, they eventually took on efforts to provide grants and loans for medical expenses and scholarship funds at Alma College. They assisted other organizations such as the Capuchin Soup Kitchen. Capuchin. Capuchin. Yeah. I know I was going to say it wrong. I've heard of it. I've read it, but I don't know how to say things apparently. Uh, Salvation Army, Coalition on Temporary Shelter, and Focus Hope, and more. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much it about them. We will probably get back to their brick-and-mortar location in a little bit. Well, we will. I know I will, at least, because there are concerts there quite frequently. Yes. They owned that venue since 1907, as mentioned. Mm -hmm. In the late 70s, early 80s, as mentioned, they rented out, leased out, and they started to lease it out for a lot of like plays and concerts. Mm -hmm. One of the first people to start booking outside events in the hall was a man named John Sinclair. We have mentioned this man before. I just say, I think I heard of her. Yeah. So John Sinclair is a poet, writer, political activist. One of the reasons we might've mentioned him is that at one point he took on the position of manager of the MC five. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So that is the Grandy ballroom episode. Yes. Yeah. And his political activism, as I mentioned, has also come up on here. Mm. We're going to learn more about it, though, because fascinating. Yeah. One thing that he was known for amongst many was his jazz poetry, usually with musical accompaniment. And it was generally from a collective of collaborators he called the Blue Scholars. He was a contributor to the Detroit Artist Workshop Press. He was a jazz writer for Downbeat. And a huge advocate for the free jazz avant-garde movement. In 1967, he founded the Ann Arbor Sun, which is a bi-weekly underground paper. So in the 60s, he became involved in the reorganization, though, of a Detroit, a different Detroit underground newspaper called The Fifth Estate. Okay. This is actually still published to this day, and it's one of the longest continually published alternative periodicals in the U.S., it was started in 1965. This is another side journey mm-hmm. by Harvey Ovshinsky. Sure. And he was a 17 year old Detroiter who was inspired by a summer trip to California where he worked for the LA Free Press, which was the first underground paper in the US. Okay. His father happened to know the editor of the Free Press from being comrades in the Socialist Party. Okay. The first issue of the fifth estate was published November 19th, 1965 stating that quote, that's what we really are. The voices of the liberal element in Detroit. Eventually the office overgrew um, and moved in 1966 from the, his parents' basement to a cast corridor storefront near Wayne state. Mm-hmm. This is when the paper was saved from going extinct by the Detroit committee to end the war in Vietnam John Sinclair's artist workshop and other radicals. Mm-hmm. This is also when Sinclair signed on as the first music editor for the paper. Makes sense. The paper then moved to Plum Street. Have you heard of Plum Street before? No. Okay. So this was one of those ones where it's been on my radar for a while, but there's not, there's not enough. So I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's really close to Corktown. Okay. Area. Yeah. So, They moved to Plum Street and opened up a bookshop in addition to their office. Plum Street was basically like the hippie underground of Detroit in the 1960s. It's near where MGM Grand is today. Okay. The region hoped to create and develop a community of kind of of people with common interests in art and music to open up and kind of, you know, open stores and open businesses and things in that area. And kind of uh, there wasn't much there, I believe, before that. So kind of not rejuvenate, but like you know, bring it to life. Okay. So the mayor actually at the time promised to support it. And he had the city add gas lights to the area and trash cans that people painted in bright psychedelic colors. Ooh. Be very groovy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and there was a plan to use a nearby park for concerts and art exhibits. But it didn't quite work like this because most of who it attracted were college kids or hippies. That makes sense. Do you know who doesn't spend a lot of money? College kids and hippies. Yeah. So 
there was a lot of loitering though. They were there. They just weren't, you know, buying anything and unfortunately probably scaring away other potential customers Yeah, from some of the businesses occasionally. So it kind of just slid downhill a little bit and the area quickly became known for dealing and eventually attracted motorcycle gangs and kind of fell by the wayside. So, but despite Plum Street shutting down, the fifth estate thrived. Okay. They printed and sent out thousands of copies, both locally and sent overseas to GIs in Vietnam. And they also openly called for mutiny from the GIs in Vietnam. Okay. In 1967, their offices were tear gassed by the National Guard during the riots. By this time, each issue was reaching about 15,000 to 20,000 people being published on a biweekly basis. It's pretty good numbers. Yeah. Yeah. In 1969, Ovshinsky left the publication with a group of younger people who took it over. But the spirit remained covering mostly kind of politics and things like that. While many other underground papers began to collapse, they actually stayed alive. Nice. In 1973, they were mentioned in the national press when one of the reporters, Pat Haley, threw a shaving cream pie at Guru Maharaj Ji. Okay. (laughs) So the guru forgave him publicly, but two of the guru's followers actually decided to attack Haley a week after fracturing his skull. Damn. Yeah. Not great. No. So... Their debts did begin to mount, though, and in their August of 1975, Volume 11 print, the paper declared itself to be the last issue of the failing capitalist enterprise, but it also said that it was the first new issue of the new Fifth Estate. All right. So we're dead, but we're here. All right. And the 80s would see a shift focusing more on anti-technology and anti-civilization-based articles and a move towards the political trend known as anarcho-primitism. Work. Uh-huh. This is basically an anarchist critique of civilization. All right. I can get behind that. Yeah. In 2022, so this year, the publication actually left the city. Oh, okay. They relocated to Liberty, Tennessee. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was never like Detroit specific. It was just yeah, that makes sense. from Detroit. And you know, there's a Liberty, Tennessee. Interesting. There's probably a Liberty everywhere. You know how there's like. Yeah. It's one of those like kind of vague names that could really be anywhere. Exactly. Like Springfield. There's a Springfield in almost every state. Yeah. That's why the Simpsons chose it. Yeah. To be, you know, confusing. Yep. I still think it was Illinois. Same. <laughs> Part of my job is I have to create test employees and the like address I have saved for my test employees is an address from the Simpsons. Nice. <laughs> One, two, three fake street, Springfield, Illinois. I love I put that. Illinois in there. Yeah. But I always, See, it was Illinois. It's yeah. Illinois. There's still a thing. I always think it's Illinois. Yeah. One, it two, just feels like street. a, it feels very Midwest. Yeah. For some reason. An episode where Marge gave like a fake address. She's like, one, two, three, fake street. That was a terrible Marge Simpson. But I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Marge Simpson's hard to do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You have to get that like throat throaty like, thing happening. Yeah, gravelly and like. Homer. No. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, yeah. This is why we're not on The Simpsons. No, no, no. Cowabunga. Dude. I caramba. <laughs> Eat my shorts. Dough. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, I did. You can't say it without that inflection, Excellent. though. Excellent. Yeah. So, yeah, they moved to Tennessee. They Liberty, did, Tennessee. Liberty, Tennessee. But they did take uh, at least one Detroit writer with them. Back to John Sinclair, though. Okay. In the mid-60s, as we know, he took on the role of manager of MC5, mm-hmm. specifically 66 to 69. In 68, while he was still managing the band, he served as a founding member of the White Panther Party. Okay. And this was a militantly anti-racist socialist group playing a counterpart to the Black Panthers after the Black Panthers made a call for white people to support their movement. 
So he heavily also encouraged MC5 to embrace the his revolutionary politics. Uh, they did for a bit. Mm-hmm. And he booked them as a regular house band at the Grandy Ballroom. Heard of her. Callback. Yep. He also managed them during a well-known free concert that they performed outside the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago. They were the only band to perform before police broke up the huge anti-Vietnam War rally, which had had turned into riots. All right. Eventually, though, the band found Sinclair's politics to be a little too much, and that's why they separated in 1969. Yeah. That same year, 1969, he was arrested for possession of marijuana and given how many years in prison, do you think? Ugh, too many. Ten. That's too many. Yep. He had a series of some previous, you know, convictions. How much was it to like a joint? He basically, he offered two joints to an undercover female narcotics officer. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. That's like thinking about it in like 2022. That's like $20 with a weed Mm -hmm. from a dispensary. Mm -hmm. I can't. It's completely wild to think about. Possibly. I mean, it was clear that like they were trying to make an example or whatever because he was a well-known person right but like two joints that's like a lovely afternoon well you are not the only one in disbelief of it because there was a lot of attention around this uh-huh. his sentence was heavily criticized and thought to be very harsh even yeah. at 1969 standards it led to a large amount of protests within the 1960s counterculture because of it mm-hmm. So there was one incident at 1969 at a little concert called Woodstock. I heard of her. Uh-huh. Where activist Abby Hoffman jumped on stage and took the microphone during the uh, performance by The Who, but he only got out a few words before being removed from the stage. What was the name? Abby Hoffman. You've probably heard of Abby Hoffman. It's a very well-known. Well, no, you said, I heard of a man named Abby. Oh, he was a really well-known, I believe, very outspoken political activist in the 60s. No, 60s Abby I Hoff- don't know much about, like, yeah. to be honest. The only reason I know about Abby Hoffman is there's been movies okay, or shows or something like that that have represented this person. Most of my 60s knowledge comes from the Bond movies and he hasn't come up in there yet. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't part of my research, but... Abby Hoffman was an American political and social activist who co-founded the Youth International Party known as Yippies. Okay. Which was... The combination of Yuppie and Hippie? It's because it's Youth International Party. Oh. Yep. But there was also another protest that was well-known. And it was probably heard a little better because a man named John Lennon performed a song called John Sinclair. Why do I know that name? Why do you know John Lennon? Yeah. Mm, I wonder. (laughs) Sounds familiar. Mm, Who's that? And he did this on TV and also recorded it for an upcoming album of his. Uh And one of the lyrics is, quote, They gave him 10 for two. What else can the bastards do? Fine. It's a fine (laughs) lyric. You know, we we all know on this podcast, my thoughts and feelings on the Beatles. Uh Uh-huh. So Sinclair was actually set free, though, December of 1971. So actually before. Only two years then, yeah, right? Yeah. Before John Lennon's album came out, but after yeah. his performance. But he actually remained in heavy litigation. Not for this, but there was a case against him for basically, I think it was called illegal domestic surveillance. And he was basically charged with conspiracy to destroy government property. Okay. He ended up. Uh, basically with a plea deal of some sort in 1972. Okay. So he was one of the first people to also, this is just a fun fact Uh. and this just makes me happy for him. He was one of the first people to purchase recreational marijuana when it became legal on December 14th of 2019. Nice. Mm -hmm. He no longer lives in the area though. He has since moved to Amsterdam, which is also very appropriate. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he still continues to write and record. I believe he's like 80 or 85, somewhere in there. And he hosts a regular radio program called the John Sinclair Radio Show and runs his own radio station called Radio Free Amsterdam. Cool. Yeah. So back to that brick and mortar space that brought us 
John Sinclair into the mix. Yes. Where is St. Andrews? As mentioned. It's just on the street. <laughs> it's true. As mentioned, he started booking events at the hall, even while the society was there. And in 1982, Vince Bannon and his business partner, Amir Diza, moved on from Clutch Cargos, which was actually then located at the Women's City Club near Grand Circus Park. I didn't know Clutch Cargos was ever in Detroit. Yeah. Now it's in Pontiac. Pontiac. Is it still around? I don't know. I haven't been there in a million years. I've only been to Electricity in Pontiac. Oh, I went to Clutch Cargos a lot. I just remember hearing it on like channel 955 growing up. (laughs) This weekend at Clutch Cargos. That's not my Clutch Cargos, but yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was there the other days of the week. Oh, okay. (laughs) For concerts. Okay. It used to get really, really good concerts for a while. Uh, But anyway... And they started to book at St. Andrews too. So it's like the bookings were kind of picking up, but yeah. it quickly became a venue for a lot of local or out of town acts to seek credibility. You know, it's a yeah. decent sized space. Yeah. It's a nice stage, all the things. While this was happening, membership was declining as yeah. well. And a lot of people think people didn't necessarily want to drive to the city. Uh, unfortunately, there were some less savory, you know, aspects to the city in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So just not as many people coming in. And St. Andrews sold the operations in 1993 to Live Nation. I didn't know Live Nation's been around that long. That I didn't sense. either. Well, I guess. I think maybe they were more into the booking and not the tickets. I don't know. Or something like yeah, that, that for a while. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. And maybe they merged with Ticketmaster or something like that. I don't know. I don't I know. Still I still don't fully get how, how that all works. I don't either. All I know is I hate when the fees get you. I know. They're like a breathing fee. <laughs> a right. walking through the venue fee. So Live Nation is still the one in charge of the venue to this day. In the 2010s, there was a series of renovations to keep the building up to date they kept a lot of the original architecture, though, as can be seen. Yeah. Unfortunately, the second floor. Well, it's really the main floor. Okay. But okay. Where's the building at today? Three venues. The main floor, St. Andrew's Hall, uh, can sustain an audience of about a thousand. Okay. The upper level, which used to be called the Burns Room, is now known as the Society Room, and it can hold a few hundred people, and it has private access to the stairs and balcony. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know this space existed. It's beautiful. Look wow. it up online. I want to be in it. All right. <laughs> it's pretty. And, of course, there's also the shelter in the basement. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh huh. Originally, it was about an audience of 200. It's since been renovated to about 400. Wow. And, of course, we know... Nationally speaking, most people know about the shelter because of the movie Eight Mile. Oh, yeah. Starring. I still have never seen that. Eminem. You're from the area. You should just watch Eight Mile just to like know yeah. it. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I'll hit and it eventually. When they're in the shelter, you will crack up at how dingy and gross they make it look because she ain't fancy, but they go out of their way to make it look so gross in there. But the venue as a whole has seen some seriously iconic acts. Uh-huh. Uh, just to name a few, because I could not stop making a list. I was like going through the history of it, and it wasn't even a comprehensive history, but like just to name a few. Yeah. We're going to start with a callback ICP. Yep. We know her. Yeah. Iggy Pop, Bob Dylan. Yep. I'm putting Goober and the Peas in here because Jack White was in that. So callback again. Adele, which I had no idea. Rolling the D. Yeah. Uh, Foo Fighters, yep. Nirvana, No Doubt, The Cranberries, R.E.M., Guar. Guar? Guar. Do you know, oh, do you not know about Guar? I don't know Guar. We'll watch a Guar video later. Okay. Uh, they're like, I don't even know the style. It's like some sort of metal, kind of scary, but they wear these costumes. Guar. <laughs> yeah. And Rage Against the Machine. I heard of them. Radiohead. Yep. Before Radiohead stopped playing in Detroit for a long time. Why did they stop playing in Detroit? I've heard many Are stories like until Rio? until the concert here at Little Caesars Arena a few years ago, which is there's a poster on the wall. That was the first time they they've come to Detroit in like decades. I didn't know it was a Radiohead poster. Yep. Oh yeah, this little Radiohead guy over there on the left, and a little Radiohead guy there on the right. At least he's got a Radiohead uh, tattoo now. Oh nice. Yeah. That's her concert poster. I didn't go to that concert. I've only been to one Radiohead concert and it was in Cleveland. 
because they like, wouldn't come here. Yeah. I only know like two of their songs and that's fine. Just ruin my life. Why don't you? Santeria and the uh, creep. Right. So they're Santeria, right? No. I don't got no. Well, who's that? <laughs> is that not Radiohead? Who is that? Sublime. Oh, that sure is. That absolutely is sublime. And cre- <laughs> is creep sublime too? No, no. Creep is Radiohead. Creep is okay. Radiohead. I guarantee you no more Radiohead, though. I, those are the only ones I could name. No, one of them wasn't Radiohead. <laughs> that was my favorite thing ever, though. Um, well, how about this one? Sia? Yep, I heard Okay, her. there we go. I'm putting Built to Spill in there because I love Built to Spill. I don't know them. I don't know I know. Her. Some of those were for me. Fair. Some of those were for me. Fair. Here, we'll do some for you. And I'm not saying you like these bands, but they'd be contemporary. I'll give live reactions. My Chemical Romance. Love them. Fallout Boy. They're fine. The weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying sleigh bells because I love sleigh bells. I don't know her. Blues Traveler. I don't know her either. You don't? No. You don't know the song The Runaround? No. Why you wanna give me the run out around? Jordan. Okay. No. Okay. I'm also putting the breeders. I know you don't know. I know what breeders mean. <laughs> D12. Oh yeah, Eminem's in them. Yeah, I vaguely remember they had like that one song that was really popular, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, Fish. I've heard of them. I couldn't tell you a single. Oh, me fish either. Song. To be honest, I just like the fish food ice cream by Ben and Jerry's. Oh yeah, uh, Imagine Dragons. You no, know of fine. them. You know who they are, though. Yeah, Electric Six. Nope. Oh, <laughs> Jimmy Eat World. Yep. Okay, Blink One Eighty Two. Oh yeah. I don't know if you know Newfound Glory. Yes. Oh, okay. Newfound Glory. <laughs> now I'm just reading this list because this is a fun game. Yeah. This is the list episode. We're sorry. No, Skip I Skip ahead that. if anybody needs to. Dashboard Confessional? Yeah. This one you probably don't. The Get Up Kids? No. I love the Get Up Kids. DMX? I heard of them. Wiz Khalifa? Yeah, I know them. Okay. Kesha? Love Kesha. Exactly. Hanson? Mbop. <laughs> um, Tame Impala? No. Oh, it's a good band. They might be giants. I feel like I've heard of them, but I couldn't tell you anything about them. Particle Man, Particle Man. Nope. Nope. Okay. Garbage. I'm only yes. happy when it They rains. sing a Bond song. They do. I knew that, actually. Tomorrow Never Dies. Not, no, not that's Cheryl Crow. They sing The World Is Not Enough. Yes. Yes. It's a great song. Um, Spoon. I know, the, I know the card game. It's one of my the favorite utensil. bands. Blur. Yep. Okay. Song two. Yes. Smashing Pumpkins. I've heard of them. I couldn't name a single song. My favorite band in middle school. All right. I was going to say the best act I've seen at St. Andrew's Hall was Trixie Mattel. She oh, that's her, fun. She did a moving parts tour there. That's cool. She did a tap dance to um, Candyman by Christina Aguilera, uh-huh. like interpreting the time she was at a pride and someone gave her some kind of. Something. Something. Mm-hmm. And she just started tripping out. And she's like, <laughs> so it was funny watching her reenact a drug trip while tap dancing to Candyman. That is a lot of fun. I, I love, love Trixie. So now the elephant in the room. Uh-huh. March 8th, 2022. Anybody who's ever been to a show in St. Andrews Hall or the shelter knows that the running joke for decades now has been when is the floor going to collapse? 2022 is the answer. The 2022 is March 2022. Because when you're in the shelter, you see it moving. Yeah. When you're on the floor, you feel it moving. The weird thing is, though, the floor didn't actually break. Uh-huh. What happened was that a joint became loose. Okay. So the hall itself uh, denies that the floor was actually buckling in. But basically, because of the loose joint, it was allowing it to, like, fluctuate more than regular. And it already does fluctuate a lot. Yeah. It was at a Baby Keem show. They told the artist and Baby Keem said the floor is cracking to the audience <laughs> and told everybody to be safe and like, you know, basically get out. It was only 20 minutes before the show was due to end. So it wasn't like yeah, horrible timing. They'll have to live without that last 20 minutes of Baby Keem. Yeah. Whoever that is. Yeah. But they went down. Sorry to this man. And it was indeed them. this like loose joint in there. There's video footage of it online, though. Oh my gosh, it is trippy to watch this because it, it's just trippy to watch. It's like, have you ever watched like videos of like um, earthquakes in Japan? 
mm-hmm. where the buildings are like swaying like crazy. Oh, yeah. It's like that, but it's a floor. You know, like it's the same kind of feeling to watch it. Yeah. They were actually due for a city inspection later in this year. Could have came a little sooner, it sounds like. Well, that was moved up to that week. Yeah. They were like, Mm-mm, let's get in there. And the aftermath, basically $50,000 later, it opened again in June of this year. That makes sense because like you just fix the problem. It's not like it's like a permanent thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they they did what they needed to do. They fixed it. It's fine. She fine. They've been Everyone's having concerts good. there. Yeah. Nobody died during that concert. Exactly. So you think St. Andrews, our journey might end there. Uh, I got one more tiny little thing for you. All right. Because what would this time of year be without a little ooky spooky? Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the shelter, the basement, there have been reports of apparitions of men and women. So several different apparitions. I Wait believe for the bathroom. <laughs> probably. Uh, and no one knows who they are, the history or anything like that. Some have re- even reported being chased up the stairs by them. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't have anything other than that. Uh, if anybody has been there and has a story, I want to hear it so badly. Uh-huh. And that is my collage that started with research on St. Andrew's Hall. <laughs> and went Took a, a few bunch ways. of side journeys. Yes. Yeah. Well, fantastic. I'm glad to know how St. Andrew's Hall came to be and all the side journeys. Mm-hmm. And St. Andrew's Benevolent Society, John Sinclair. Oh, yeah. A lot of callbacks this episode. A lot of. I know. I kept being like, this is just a it's just a collage of like everything we've ever talked about. Yeah. Uh, Real quick. My sources. DetroitPunkArchive.com. Love that. Yes. DetroitScots.com. GhostQuest.net. An essay called The History of St. Andrew's Society, 1849 to 2000 by Fred Dunbar. Uh, Wikipedia, a click on Detroit article called St. Andrews Hall Closes after video shows floor bending during concert. Yep. And K1025.com. Nice. Well, after that collage journey. Yes. Would you like to do some two truths and a lie? I would love to. Last time I did two truths and a lie. It was for old timey words for tricks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you guess what today's is about? Treats. Yep. <laughs> so here are. You're a treat. I'm a sneak. <laughs> so here are three words mm-hmm. for old timey treats. And one of them is one I made up. Okay. I'm here for it. Number one, mm-hmm. gaba good. Okay. Number two, soot meat. No. Number three, sugarly. Sugar ally. No, sugar. Nope. Number three. Sugar Alley. I'm going to go with number three. Nope. That one is true. Dang it. It's Scottish or Scotch. <gasps> oh, for, how appropriate. Yes. It was shortened from Sugar Alley Crush, which is like licorice. So it's like just like oh, soft okay. mm-hmm. kind of licorice. Okay. If you, if you think licorice is too much, they have licorice water. Ew. Which just licorice sticks dissolved in water. No. Yeah. I don't mind like actual licorice root taste, but. I don't No, I don't want it like that. I don't I want love lic- licorice. I don't know if I like it in water though. I like red licorice if it's like the candy kind, okay. a soft one, yeah. an Australian style one. Oh right. yes. And I like licorice root, like teas and things like that, but I'm not oh, okay. into the licorice candy. Give me black jelly beans. Give me oh, black, you can have all mine. Black licorice ropes. I'm going to get you that gum. Oh yeah. There's blackjack. You know, yes, that's it. I oh, like yeah. the clove one. Oh yeah. I, I at the at the penny store or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the 10 cent candy store. Oh yeah. Love a 10 cent candy store. Can you read me the other names for treats? Why am I talking like that? <laughs> Gaba good and soot meat. I'm gonna go with Gaba good. That is the false one. Okay. Soot meat is a real term. It comes from the 16th century. Soot meaning sweet and meat meaning food. So sweet food. Interesting. But soot meat, which sounds gross. It, yeah. It, you know what? It, it's not the worst one. Either. It makes me think of like, like the dirt in a pig pen. Yeah. Like, like sweet, you know, like that. Yeah. It just makes me think of like the piece of bacon that falls underneath like the whatever, you know, or like, you know, when you're cooking something on a stove Honey, and it falls. can you and, pick up that suit meat, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
Just some honorable mentions because suit meat isn't the worst one. Uh oh. There's lullabub, <laughs> suckabob, mm. junkery. Okay, that's sexual. Junkery. <laughs> Mignardus <laughs> and fart. Why? I guess in 1480, dating back to at least, it meant a small baked confection with a sweet spiced filling and a crisp pastry case, typically served as a delicacy at feasts. I'm surprised it hasn't come up on uh, the British baking. <laughs> right. Today on the, today's, today's uh, blind, what do they call the middle one? The chain? test. Um, uh, technical. Today's technical challenge is a fart. You must make a fart from 1480. A real good fart has a sweet inside with a crisp outside. A nice wafting smell. You can taste it before it's in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been watching the season of Bake Off yet or no? Not yet because, well, I was watching Ghostbusters. And I kind of like to wait until they're all available. That's fair. Sometimes. I've watched them in real time, too. But I don't know. I just haven't started yet because I know once I do, I'll get to the end and be like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I've watched the first episode so far. I haven't watched the second yet because Drag Race UK also comes out on Fridays now. Okay. Well, and there's another show, another cooking show that I found uh-huh. yesterday, actually, on Hulu. I forget what it's called, but it's basically a like Michelin star type chef uh-huh. and a survivalist to go into the woods. And there's two of them and they have like three days or something. And they survive in the woods and they forage. Okay. And then at the end, the two chefs and, and the survivalists come back and there's this gorgeous outdoor kitchen. It's all like wood fired and everything. There's no electricity, but like they've got, you know, some like pantry ingredients and they have to make a three course meal and then they get judged on like. Oh, what they've foraged fun. and What's how it comes on? together. Hulu. Okay. I'll send you the name of, well, actually I can look this up. You say? Chef versus wild. Chef versus wild. Okay. It's like watching top chef with alone. Yeah. And I, it's weird. And it, yeah. No, for sure. This just reminded me that like someone brought up over the weekend or somewhere I heard like, just like, do you remember like checking the newspaper for the TV schedule? Kind of. Like, or just like the concept of having to wait for something to come on at a specific time Mm -hmm. that like people born in the past, like eight years probably have like no concept of that. Like having to wait for something to come on TV to watch. Yeah. No, no, no. They never will. Or like going to the scrolling channel that told you what's going to come on. Yeah. The TV guide. Yeah. Even. Yeah. I mean, cause even when we moved up to like. Or I forget what it's called, but like when Comcast took over everything. Yeah. And, you know, you could scroll yourself. That was yeah. even a big thing. Like, I can scroll the guide myself. I don't have to right. wait for it. Oh, yeah. Channel 95, I think, it used to be just like watching the scrolling mm-hmm. of what's going to happen. And I Sometimes remember- there'd be a little thing in the corner happening. Oh, yeah. And it always be like the weather, a weather person or something. Yeah. Like. Yep. Just like some nonsense happening in the corner uh-huh. while you're trying to see what's, you know, coming up next. Mm-hmm. And then I would like miss <laughs> what I was waiting for. Right. I'd be like, damn it. Now I have to wait again. A whole two minutes or something. Uh-huh. My attention is not good. It's only good been getting worse in modern technology where everything is just at your fingers all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's what the fifth estate has to say. Yeah. I think. Maybe. I should write for them. <laughs> Move to Tennessee. Liberty, Tennessee, <laughs> where I'll be free. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. Are we wrapped? I think we're wrapped just like a succabob. Oh, a sweet treat. Yes, a soot meat. A fart. Yes. We are wrapped like a fart. Mm-hmm. If you would like to find us on our social media, at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter and Detroit Strange on Facebook. I don't know why I blanked on that for a minute. That's okay. I haven't touched the Twitter in forever. I'm assuming there's not much happening there. Yeah. And if you want to support the show, though, we'd love it. If yeah. you could leave a five-star review. Yeah. We'd love a five-star review that really, really helps us. And yeah. it just makes us feel warm and fuzzy. We've also got our Patreon. We've got our Threadless shop. Yeah. If you've been spooked at the shelter, let me know. Yeah. ASAP. If you've fallen through the floor of the shelter, also let us know. Yeah. I mean, call 
call somebody else first and get yourself fixed up. Yeah. Yeah. That first, but then call us. Yeah. But I think until next time, stay stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence.